welcome to the Better Spearfishing Podcast, where we talk all things spearfishing. If you want to improve your spearfishing and hear some wild stories, you've come to the right place. Hi, hi. Welcome to another edition of the Better Spearfishing Podcast. Glad to have you here with me. So the topic of today's podcast is where do the fish go? And I got the idea for this podcast because at the moment I am in Cape Town on the southern tip of Africa and the, the bay that Cape Town is, is straddles is called False Bay. On the one side and on the other side there's the Atlantic Ocean. But the False Bay side is supposedly on the warmer current side of, uh, of the peninsula and at the moment it's 14 degrees so it's certainly not warm. Now Interestingly, going diving now, it just seems dead. You get in the water, you go to spots that you think should have decent numbers of fish, and they're just very quiet. And yeah, so that that basically gave me the idea that this was a topic worth talking about. I'm sure we've all had the experience of going to a spot where we went there once and there were fish everywhere, it was brilliant. And then we went another time, exact same spot, and it was absolutely lifeless. And you think, where did everything go? Or um, sometimes it's the other way. You've There's an easy spot to dive. It's it's just easy and convenient, but you've been there, it's tired, and it was you know totally dead. And then there's another opportunity comes, and you think, well, it's close and easy. I may as well just get in there. It's better than nothing. And you go there, and it's incredible. There's fish everywhere. There's life. And you just think, wow, what a, what a turnaround. So... Where do these fish go and, and what brings them back? So the main thing to, to think about on this is, is food and food and reproduction and, of course, comfort for the fish. So generally, if they are predatory fish, they're going to want to be where there's fish they can eat, bait fish. So then the next question is, well, where are the bait fish? So... I'm going to start on talking on tides with this. If you are shore diving, as, as I assume many people listening here do, when you have, when you're diving in a spot where there's tidal movement, when the tide goes out, what that is, is it's water that's been in the shallows, it's probably picked up nutrient from, from runoff, uh, from, from the land or or um, stirred up sediments or something, but there, there's probably more food in that, nutrients. As the tide's going out, there will normally be bait fish. Wherever the current is constant or the tide gets concentrated around a headland or something like that, or through a gap um, in an estuary, you will normally get a lot of bait fish in a spot like that. And the, they're there because they are feeding on things coming in, this, uh, in the water that, that's now flowing out. That's why they're there. They're there to feed. Now, all of those little fish attract bigger fish. They are bigger fish that want to eat them. So the fish are, they're attuned to what the tides are doing. So when the water's generally an outgoing tide, we'll have more uh, bait fish, just because it's normally richer, uh, more nutrient-rich water. But the same thing can be true with an incoming tide. Bearing in mind, normally an outgoing tide, because the water's been close to the shore and, and getting churned up against um, against the shore. And now all that dirty water is going out. It's normally dirtier 
uh, when you're diving in water that's coming from an outgoing tide. When it's an incoming tide, normally you're talking about ocean water that probably hasn't been as churned up as it has at the shore. Now it's coming in towards the shore. So it's generally cleaner. So more pleasant diving, um, but often more fish in an outgoing tide. So look, that's that's the first thing to point out is, is the abundance of food. Now, bear in mind as well that bait fish, schools of bait fish, do often move with uh, the water temperature. So in certain places, as the water gets outside a certain temperature, they will migrate up or, or down the coast or along the coast or somewhere. They, there's some way in which they move away from where they were to somewhere else. So what that means is often the game fish will migrate with them. So for for a lot of the fish that we would target as spear fishermen, they are predatory fish. I, I I don't know exactly the numbers, but I would imagine a large number of fish are they either um, carnivorous or omnivorous. So the amount of where the bait is makes a huge difference. If you get to a spot and there's no bait fish on it, you're probably not going to find a lot of predatory fish there. Um, they'll probably move to wherever there is bait. Now, the the next point on this is it makes a difference the type of fish you, we're talking about. Some fish are what you'd call demersal, so reef fish, and they're territorial, so they will live in a specific part of the reef, and that's pretty much where they live. They they have a territory, and they might defend it from uh, rivals or other species or any sort of competition, but they basically farm a piece of the reef. And these are fish such as gropers or cod, um, okay, I realize the European cod's a bit different. It's um, When I say cod, I'm talking about what Australians would call cod. Um, gropers, uh, lock cods, lasses. These sort of fish tend to stay on, on a specific bit of leaf. Of course, they do sometimes move between leaves. If, um, if their bit of leaf, you know, it doesn't have enough food, then they'll look to move. But they tend to stay in one spot. Now compare, contrast that with game fish. So in a, in the tropics, any large pelagic fish would be considered game fish. In European waters, so I'm thinking around the United Kingdom, you would consider uh, European sea bass as a game fish. They migrate. They are seasonal. They come with specific seasons and then leave again. Here on the um, in in southern Africa, you have many fish move up and down the coast. Uh, because the water temperature varies quite uh, quite a lot on the southern uh, southern African coastline, because you've got two competing currents: one a warm one coming down, and one a cold one going up, and they fluctuate by season. So, anyway, so they, so thinking of what type of fish we're talking about: are they fish that move around like game fish, or are they fish that just live in one spot like um, uh, residential fish? Okay, so let's talk about water temperatures. So typically what happens is water temperature normally lags the land temperature. What do I mean by this? I mean, say you are in summer in wherever you are and the water is relatively warm. And now winter is starting. It's starting and so it starts getting a little bit cold on the land often the water will still be warm. And then it'll take a while until the water's cooled down to winter temperatures. 
and then when summer starts on land, so so you go through winter now, now the water's cold in the depths of winter, and now the land starts warming up. And of course, remember, most of this is driven by um, the, the shift in the Earth's axes relative to the sun, so the, the land starts warming up first. The water is still can still be cold. So you can have a lovely sunny day and the water's still cold, and then it takes a couple of weeks or months or, or you know, depends on the area you're in. And then the water will eventually warm up. So generally, the water temperature lags the land temperature. Now, I realize that, you know, this is not a not a simple thing. There's a there's a lot of um, feedback mechanisms. And and uh, you also get the Gulf Stream, which warms certain land continent, you know, continental land masses. So, you know, it's not it's not totally clear cut, but that's a, a fairly good basic rule. So. What that means, as water cools, generally there's there's generally less photosynthesis happening. So if you think of all the little algae that is at the base of the the food chain, there's less of that growing in colder weather versus in warm sunny weather or warm warm water with uh, sunlight. So what that means is with less food, often the small baked fish, the small fish will migrate to warmer water um, where, where for, for feeding. And as they migrate, often what will happen is the game fish will migrate along with the baked fish because that's that's their food source. Now, of course, certain fish, the, the residential fish, they tend not to migrate. They tend to stay in one area. Um, but anyway, that, that, that's just talking on the game, um, the game fish and the water temperatures. Okay, let's quickly talk about the difference of tides. So I, I'm assuming that many uh, people listening to this will dive off the shore and in many of these spots, the spots you'll dive will be, there'll be a headland or, or it'll be some sort of locky point or, or a locky shoreline at the edge of a bay or something along those lines. So there, there will be some, some tide. So the tide comes in, the tide goes out. Now, when the tide is coming in, what is happening? That is generally cleaner water from out in the open ocean where it's been less churned up and that's moving, it's coming inshore. So generally you're diving your visibility slightly better, but that's water that's been out at sea. It's generally got less nutrients than inshore water. So the tide comes in, now all that water that's right up against the shoreline, it's churning things up, it's churning up the soil or the the sand, it's breaking things off the rocks, it's unearthing bits of food that that have been buried in the sand or that have washed down in rivers or, or something of the sort. And then when it starts going out, it carries a lot of that food. A lot of it is in the water. What that means is often the water is dirtier. So the visibility for us as divers is not as good, but there's more food in it. And what that means is where that water is going out, especially where it gets channeled into. So it's, it's, it's sort of, um, channel, it's concentrated into one area. You will often get lots and lots of bait fish in that area. And the reason is because there's food for them. All this dirty water with all this churned up nutrients is being channeled into a narrow area. So if the bait fish can just wait in that area, all the food comes to them. So that's why they do this. That's that's why certain spots 
will on an outgoing tide there will be bait fish everywhere now of course if it's if there's a lot of water being channeled into one area you know even if it's you know got less nutrients on an incoming tide there still will, would be more bait fish there than elsewhere because all the nutrients is concentrated into one area and that's why it's so great to know to have a couple of spots that you know of around rocky points or the edge of bays or somewhere where the the current and the and the tides are being channeled and where you get bait fish um, because obviously when there's bait fish um, a lot of predatory fish will will uh, come into those spots now when you dive spots like that sometimes you dive it at what they call a slack tide which is the tide it's sort of the turn of the tide so it's not coming in it's not going out it's sort of that point when it's changing and there's not a lot of water moving around and look some spots where the tide's really strong this is the only time you can dive them and you might still do okay if it's if it's that kind of spot where normally it's really powerful but in other spots where it's just it's moderate you could dive if it's coming in or going out but then say you get in there and it's at the turn of the tide often it'll be quite quiet so the little bait fish will move off they'll you know there's no the reason they went there is because all this water and nutrients is being channeled and concentrated in this area when the water's not moving that's not happening so their reason they don't really have a reason to stay there at that time so they'll often move off and as they move off obviously the uh, fish you want to catch will move off so okay so that's <clears throat> that's we're talking about tides now Let's talk about the the water visibility. So I mentioned with incoming tides, it'll often churn the water up inshore. Now, when you have a storm, so after this, when there's a big storm, that will often break up nutrients or it'll break things off the rocks, mussels, clams, all, all the little things that fish might want to eat. The storm, it's so rough, it often breaks those things off or breaks them apart or or just churns up the the um nutrients that were buried and what that means is that as soon as this as soon as things calm down after the storm a lot of fish will come closer inshore the water's often very dirty but the fish will tend to come close to feed and this is something that um, people fishing for pink snapper in uh, in australia know very well and and actually a lot of the other other fish species they know that after the big storm the fishing tends to be good so Look, that's that's useful thing to know. It just tells you that the, where the fish probably are, which means that if you give it a day or two, if the visibility becomes diveable, that's a good time to go dive. And you, if if you've just had a storm, you would probably want, and the, if it was clean enough, you'd probably want to dive closer inshore because you there's probably more fish inshore at that time than uh, than further out to sea. So, okay, now during a storm. When you get big swell, so the big surge of water and it, you know, two, three meters of water. And if you've ever dived in, in conditions like that, it's, you sort of get sucked one way and then you get sucked the other way. And if you dive underwater and you try to grab, so you try and just stay in one place or you try and hang near the reef, you just get pushed all over the show. Now, where do the fish go in these, in conditions like that? Well, there's generally two places they go. Fish that take, that can move just go deeper. If you, you, you'll notice that when there's big surge, the shallower you are, the more noticeable it is. So 
say there's a two meter swell and you're in two meters of water well that's a huge variation it's it's basically from being on the right on the bottom to being two meters up in the um up in in water so it's a huge variation you're getting sucked in and sucked out as with each um, big swell that comes in now imagine you go to 30 meters and it's only moving two meters at the bottom in 30 meters it's not that much of a difference it's it's still fairly calm and and you're not really being the swell is not really affecting you that much so that's the first thing in in big swell fish do tend to move deeper and this is why it's great to know of have some deep spots so if there's swell it's also safer to go and park a boat there when it's when there's big swell you can't go and park a boat over shallow leaf because what if the wave breaks and and swamps the boat or floods it or flips it over you know you just can't do that um and so this is why it's good to have a variety of spots in general but okay so deeper leaf they'll go there okay what about fish that don't move out they're not going to swim you know hundreds of meters or kilometers out to deeper water where do they go? Okay, in shallower water, even when there's a lot of swell, if you go and you go deep into caves, you will notice that inside a cave, you're quite, depending on the caves, a lot of them are much more protected. So you get deep inside the cave. Yes, there's swell and surge and it's all chaos outside the cave, but you get in there and it's like an, it's like a warm, cozy little house. It just, there's not as much water movement. Things are a lot calmer. And yeah, so that's where a lot of fish will go. They'll go deep into caves to uh, to wait out big storms. Now, of course, this is where it, it really makes a difference to know caves. This is why it's good to learn um, the spots. Um, okay, so we've talked about in swell, we've talked about in surge, we've talked about current. Okay, another one on current. As I mentioned, when there is current, especially when it is the cones being pushed through a gap or over the top of a pinnacle or in some way it's being concentrated into a smaller area than it would otherwise do it maybe it's moving between two islands or between you know out through the mouth of an estuary wherever it's being concentrated what that's doing is it's concentrating the nutrients in the current which means if you're a fish that's where you want to be. It means that's where that you're going to get have more food floating around you than if you were anywhere else. So that's why fish go to places where the, the current is concentrated. So we've talked about um, when it's because of a tide, an ingoing, outgoing tide. If you're diving on pinnacles, the same principle holds to a pinnacle is like a little mountain underwater. And as the current comes over it, it's basically pushed up over it. So all that imagine the water all the way down to the bottom of the mountain is now being forced up the you know that underwater mountain and over the top of it or around the sides but it's being concentrated into a smaller area and because of that you get a lot of fish um, on pinnacles so fish that are feeding on things in the current and because you know there'll be lots of small fish doing that that's what attracts the game fish so that's why you need to look for pinnacles and for the same reason as with the tide, sometimes there'll be a pinnacle, then you know it, and there's just, there's so many fish there most of the time. And then you dive at a different time and there's nothing. And you think, what happened? Um, often it can be, you know, if the, the current has changed. So fleek, often fish will be on the up current side of a pinnacle, which means 
the current is coming towards this little mountain underwater, that where it's coming from, that's the side they're going to be on. And the reason is, as it hits the, that mountain and gets pushed up, they want to be there where the food is at the start so they can get it. If they're on the other side, well, some other fish might have eaten it already. So they want to be, as soon as the, it's getting concentrated on the front, that's where the bait fish generally stay. So now if the current changes direction, what that means is maybe now the other side of the pinnacle is the front. That's where the, the water's now coming from that direction. So now the, move, the fish will move to that side. So if you're on a big reef and you've always dived one side of it, and then the current changes and you think, oh, where did all the fish go? Well, go try the other side. They could be have just moved to the upcurrent side and, you know, everything just moves there. Um, okay, so we've talked about that. Let's talk breeding migration. So some fish, and, and look, my, my knowledge on this is, is, is a little bit hazy, but um, some fish tend to like, they seem to want to spawn in cooler water. So I'm thinking the pink snapper off um, uh, Western Australia, they go and spawn in Coburn Sound, which is, it's sort of a fairly protected area. It gets colder than the surrounding areas. Um, I, I don't know if it's, they say that the water temperature, when it gets to a certain uh, temperature, as in cold enough, that is a trigger for the snapper to begin spawning. So, look, that's interesting because because normally, you know, biological processes happen faster in uh, in warmer temperatures. So I, I don't fully understand why they would do that because, you know, eggs would um, germinate faster in warmer temperatures. But Anyway, I'm sure some, someone else can uh, can explain why that is the case. Uh, the same thing happens with sardines. They call it the annual sardine run here in South Africa. They will migrate up the east coast of South Africa. And what they're actually doing, they're using, when there's a, a like a cold uh, counter current that goes very close to the coast up along the shore, they'll use that to go further north. Um, because normally they live in cooler, deep, cold waters off the um, the Southern Cape. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess that's just pointing out that fish will move for bleeding or food. Those, those are generally the two the two main things, or uh, for comfort, as in if there's a lot of swell and it's very rough. Um, okay, the, the last point I'd, I'd make on this is when it is rough and say fish have to go and wait in a cave and, and um, you dive, you, you can be diving around outside and they and just be seeing nothing, but the fish are all hiding deep inside caves. So when it's, it's, if there's a lot of swell, you need to either be trying to dive a bit deeper or looking deep in, into deep sort of more calm caves. Often that will mean, you know, if it's, a, if it's legal in your area, using a diving torch to, to look in. Often it will be mean using a shorter spear gun because now you're diving into caves. Um, it helps if you already know where these caves are and you've you've marked them because, of course, when uh, when it's very rough, it's very hard to you know it's not pleasant to go and scout around and try and find new spots. It's a lot easier if you already know some of the spots you want to go and look in. Okay. Oh, so my point on this was remember that fish are they're not mammals, so. While we think in terms of needing to eat every day or every couple of hours, fish can go for days without a meal. So when it's really rough and churned up weather, they can sit in their little cave and just wait for days on end. And um, it's just it's worth keeping that in mind because 
you know, you can be swimming around thinking, oh, why are the fish not out? Don't they need to feed? And well, they can go a pretty long time without feeding. And uh, yeah, when the opportunity comes, they'll feed. Okay. Um, look, I think that's that's probably enough for this podcast. Um, we will, yeah. I, thanks for thanks for joining me. I'm sure I will remember some other things I meant to talk about after this and uh, go through my notes, but we, that will be the next podcast. Okay, take care. Bye.